Thank you for tuning in to the Victory is Greater Than the Struggle, an ex-husband podcast with myself, your host, Jessica Newsom. So today I'm going to be answering one of the questions that one of my viewers had asked me to cover on a podcast. So today, here it is. We're going to be basically discovering how to trust God to know the desires of our hearts, especially when we're beginning to walk away from the things that God is calling us to walk away from and to really begin to deepen and um, uh, create a foundation with God, like really diving into the word of God, really developing that relationship with him that maybe we really haven't done or we stopped doing it a long time ago and kind of started doing our own thing. So how do we trust God with the desires that we have? We have so many different desires um, in our lives. They could be financially, Uh, So that depends on, okay, job-wise, right? We may um, desire to have a certain type of job and we just want to get to that place because we have to, um, but why? I'm not saying God won't do it. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm wondering why that's a desire. Is it because we want to um, have people look at us a certain way? We want people to think that we're maybe well-established, we're... we're, um, good to do. You know what I'm saying? And we have enough money and I have this job and the prestige of the job, whatever the case is. Or is it because you really just want to do it? It's in your heart or is it for a certain type of thing? So there's that. We could have desires in our heart to be married, to have kids, whatever the case is. Now, the desires that we have in our heart, not all of them line up with the word of God. Okay. Not all of them do. Sometimes the desires that we have in our heart is just to um, not be alone, right? Sometimes that is, now that is one of the biggest desires that people come to me about, especially when walking away from a certain lifestyle or a certain sin, whatever the case is, and saying, okay, God, I'm going to finally give you all of me, right? And so, all of a sudden, we removed ourselves from maybe toxic people, toxic relationships, unhealthy friendships, and now we're alone and we don't like being alone. We don't like feeling lonely. We like to have people um, um, laugh at our jokes. We like to maybe be the center of attention. We like to have someone to love on and to do things for, to care for. We like to cuddle, right? And now we don't have any of these things. And we're just like, God, I need for you to meet my needs now. I need for you to do it now, not later, but now. This is such a huge struggle in a lot of people's lives. Especially, well, not especially, but one area that we're going to speak about in particular is people walking away from homosexuality. Oftentimes, God will say, you know what? I need for you to step away from your friends. It's not that they're bad people, but if I'm trying to do, uh, create a change in your heart, if I'm trying to create a change in your mind, you have to be removed from the things that will affect that outcome. Uh, in a negative manner. You will have to be removed from people who will try to pull you back um, into the very thing that God is calling you out of, right? And so the question is, God, how will you meet my needs if I cannot see you, feel you, or touch you, right? Like, I know that you're here. I know that you exist, but, but you weren't here hanging out with me on the couch, you can't talk to me and uh, uh, um, 
the way my friends talk to me, right? You can't just come over and watch Netflix and go out and all this stuff. Like, I understand that whole God thing, right? I understand that you are, that, that, that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of me. I understand that, right? And that the Holy Spirit will talk to me. I got that, but I want a human here. This is the crossroads that a lot of us are at. And so we are asking God, sometimes demanding God to meet a need that we think we need. Now, I don't know about you guys, but there's been a lot of times in my life where things that I thought I need, I really don't need at all, right? I thought that, you know, I needed um, to be in a homosexual relationship because that's that was what was comfortable to me. That was all I knew. That was my lifestyle, right? But God said, that's not what you need. You think you need that, but it's not what you need at all. But I was so stubborn and I refused to believe God because I was more focused on the things that were around me that I could understand my feelings, my thoughts, right? Those are the things that I can understand and process. But trying to process something that makes absolutely no sense to me is difficult. Reading the word of God, right? Reading the Bible and the Bible telling me that this is wrong and that's wrong. You know what? I will make all things new. I will renew your mind. I will change your heart. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But these things are a part of me. It's who I am. So it needs to be okay. We try to manipulate God into doing what we want him to do or allowing us to have what we think we need. And so when I finally said, okay, no, actually I have been very, I have been an extremely stubborn person. So I have been in situation after situation to where I'm like, you know what, God, I know better than you. And God's like, you know what you think you do fine. I will let you have that thing and you will see that it is not what you need. And yeah, most definitely that's exactly what happened had an amazing girlfriend, amazing job, amazing career, enough money, right? And and I had, quote unquote, everything that I needed, but there was still a void on the inside of me that no one could fill. She could not fill it as much of um, an amazing person as she was, as much as I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. There was something that she could not fill on the inside of me and it left me empty and I knew I knew deep down that only God could fix that, that I had to come to God and say, God, I don't know what's going on, but help me. And in that, in that laying down of my understanding, my way, my way of thinking and saying, God, fine, I've tried it my way, do what you want. He did an amazing thing in my life. And now I'm at a place to where I'm just like, I know that I know that I know that God can do the impossible in my life. And if I know that he can do it in my life, I know that he can do it in yours, no matter what the situation is, whether you have a drug addiction that you just think you cannot kick because you've tried it over and over and over again. Let me tell you something. God knows how to get you to a place to where you say, you know what, I'm done and I'm going to look up and say, God, help me because I've hit my rock bottom. Stubborn people oftentimes need to get to rock bottom in order to say, okay, God, I relinquish my understanding. I'm done playing God. I'm done thinking that I know absolutely everything. I'm done being in control of my life because it's not working. So God, help me. 
And when we get to that place of total submission, that place of just saying, you know what, God, I don't even know. Do it. Do it. I'm done. I have laid out all the cards. I have nothing else to play. That's when God will step in and say, okay, thank you for giving me the reins. I got it. Right. And so trusting God to know what we need better than we think we know what we need. That's the key. It's trusting God with the impossible in your life. God, I don't know if I could kick this drug addiction. I don't know if I could walk away from homosexuality. I don't know if depression can, 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 can leave me. I don't know if, if, if I can walk away from pornography and masturbation. I don't know, Father God, if this sex addiction will leave me. I don't know, Father God. But if we get to a place to where we just say, I'm done. I am done trying. I give up, God. Take the, take the, take the wheel of my life. That's our beginning. And so trusting God to know better is difficult, but that's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith that God knows more than what we know. I was telling someone the other day when I tried to give other people the understanding of our knowledge and our know-how compared to God, uh, I always give the analogy of an ant and a human, right? I think of uh, the little ant farms. Ants are smart, right? And they create these little pathways and everything. They're super smart, right? You got an ant farm and you're, if you look at that ant farm, right? And you're trying to tell these ants, hey, let me explain to you the ways of this world outside of your ant farm. Let me explain to you politics, government, the way humans think, the way they feel, the way they rationalize things, the way they understand. An ant is not going to comprehend human wisdom at all all they can't even comprehend the language at all shoot even monkeys and uh stuff can't fully comprehend humans uh in in totality so how do we think that we know more than god how do we rationalize being our own gods thinking that we can get to that place of freedom and happiness And whatever we think is going to happen when we finally die. How do we think we can manipulate our way to that place? We can't. We have to submit to the authority and the knowledge of God. And we have to put our faith and trust totally in him, not in ourselves. And so in that, I want to read to you Matthew 6, 19 through 21. It says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. This convicts me all the time. This convicts me when I think of trying to store up treasures on earth. It's the job. It's the money. It's the car. It's the prestige. It's the way people think about me. It's me having the, the perfect husband. It's me having the, the 2.5 children. It's the American dream. That's me storing up treasures in heaven. Now we know that there's a passage that says that God will give us the desires of our hearts, right? We, we take that 
and we kind of just use it however we want. We just kind of use it however we want. Well, it's a desire, so therefore God will give it to me because he's a good father, right? Question. If you have an overweight child and they say, Mom, I want three bags of candy before I go to bed, are you going to give that to them because it's the desire of their heart? Or are you going to say, you know what? Maybe another child could have a whole bag of candy before bed, right? Uh, you can tell I'm not a parent. But, <laughs> but you know, I don't know, whatever, every now and then, just, okay, fine. Have this pack of Skittles, go to bed. But a child with health issues and who is obese needs to stay away from fatty and sugary foods, I'm assuming. So no, that child cannot have everything that other children have because it's not good for them, because they have an addiction to that thing, because they do not know portion control. So, 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 so therefore, they have to basically really just be on a strict diet until they begin to learn and understand that, you know what, these things are not healthy for me, so I have to adjust the things that I want. I have to adjust the things that I desire. And I think that we do that so often. We compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to what someone else has. Well, they have this. I want that. So why can't I have it, God? Give it to me. There are other things that play a factor because we live in this fallen and broken world. I don't know about you guys, but I notice a lot of people who get young, uh, who get married and have kids earlier in life. Let's say they're their they're 20s. That doesn't mean that people in their 30s or late 30s do not. But I'm just saying, like me, I'm 36. Do I desire to get married? Do I, do I desire to have kids? Of course I do. Do I trust and believe and wait on God for that? Yes, I do. But if I do not get those things, if, if those are not in, in, in store for me on this, in this life, but God says, I have a plan and purpose for you that is greater than storing up those earthly things. I want you to reach people. I want you to not be distracted by earthly things. I want you to reach children and teenagers and, and adults in this area that I have called you to walk in. I want you to do these podcasts and talk to people from around the world who struggle with homosexuality, who struggle with sex addictions, who struggle with pornography and masturbation. I want you to be a witness and influence in their life. Can you be okay with those things? Can you be okay with having purpose over having all the pleasures you desire? Now, if I was to answer that question when God delivered me from homosexuality, like my step one in my Christian walk almost, I would say no. I would say no. And in fact, I actually told God, God, look, I will, okay, I get it. You're telling me that this is wrong, that living this homosexual, uh, this homosexual life is wrong. Fine. I'm ready to do it your way, but I better get married and I better have kids. I told him that. But what has happened over the past few years as he's begun to change my heart. How has he changed my heart? He's changed it in a way to where my heart is aligning with the word of God instead of aligning with the ways of the world. Meaning, 
I am coming into a place to where I can truly say with my heart that God, if you don't give me anything else in this world, I am happy to pursue the purpose that you have for me. Even if it is laying down the very things that my heart desires, good or bad, wrong or right, I choose purpose over pleasure. So we have to get to a place and we will, the more you seek God, the more you trust God, the more you walk with him, the more he begins to change your heart and line it up with the Bible. All the things that you're just like, man, I don't know. I can't dig that. I can't get with that. God will begin to do those things. It's not by you forcing it to happen. It's just by you walking with him. It's by you letting him love on you as imperfect and jacked up as you are, right? And him saying, I forgive you. I love you. Just keep walking with me. Just chill out. Don't worry about all the things that you keep messing up, all the things that you continue to do wrong or have done wrong. Just get up, dust yourself back off and keep walking with me. I am the one that gives increase. I am the one that changes the minds and hearts of man. Not you, not anyone else. And I love that about God. We don't have to strive when it comes to God. We don't have to strive to be this perfect person. God does that in our life. He changes us. We go from glory to glory as we walk with him in our imperfections. And so when we look at John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So the enemy comes to try to steal from you, to try to kill you and to try to destroy everything that God is doing in your life. How does he do that? How does he do that? He does that by trying to get you to, to desire the things of the world over the things of God, to desire and pursue money over purpose, to desire and pursue uh, things that will wither and fade over the things of God, over people who are who are hungry for, for the word of God and don't even know it. People who are on their way to a place of eternal damnation and they're just waiting on someone to just kind of help them with that light bulb, right? It's God who changes people, but he uses us to witness to them. The enemy tries to come and destroy relationships, right? Or he'll tell you that a bad relationship, a negative relationship is actually healthy. He'll say, you know what? Just like he did to Eve in the garden, right? He told Eve, Eve in the garden, did God really say not to eat from that tree? And she's like, well, yeah, yeah, he did actually say that. And the enemy's like, well, I don't think he really meant that because if you ate from it, you'll be like him. And isn't our purpose to walk with God, right? He twists the word of God so that we believe a warped view of Christianity, of the Bible, and we begin to walk down just a slight degree to the left. It is so small and tiny, no one really notices, but in the long run, we realize we are far off course. So God will say, did God really, I mean, sorry, the enemy will say, did God really say for you not to ever talk to your ex again? Because we're supposed to witness to people. We're supposed to love people. So if you just totally walk away from them, isn't that doing the very thing that God's telling you not to do? 
But in actuality, God said, you need to separate yourself from that relationship because it's not healthy. It's toxic. It leads you away from me. You were answering my call. They are not trying to answer my call at the moment in time. You were saying yes to me. So that means you got to walk with me. They haven't gotten to that place yet. So I'm asking you to separate yourself from that person and to, to trust me, to walk by faith and not by sight, not by feelings. The enemy will twist and warp the word of God to get us distracted from the truth, to get us off of the path that leads to eternal life. Luke 16, 13 says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot walk with God and the enemy at the same time because ultimately you're just walking with the enemy, right? You have to walk with God. Does that mean you're going to be perfect? Of course not. You're going to mess up just like I mess up. But day after day, you just get a little bit better. You begin to make wiser decisions. God begins to change your mindset to where you just start to see the world differently. You begin to see through the eyes of the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you, who was there to guide you and lead you into all the things of righteousness. Philippians 4, 4, it says, 4 through 7, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Man, how many of us get so frustrated and anxious? Like, I could spend time with God in the morning, right? And I'm talking about in worship, and I'm just like, yes, the peace of God, I'm feeling good, right? Like God above everything. And you're walking on a cloud, and then the next thing you know, something comes to steal your peace. It's a family member, it's a coworker, right? And God is working on that area in me because I can be short tempered, I can get frustrated very quickly, and I know that God is working on that within me. And so I'm working on not being upset, not being anxious over anything, but, but staying in a place of prayer in my heart, talking to God throughout the day, praying to him about the petitions that I have, the desires that I have, but in all of it, no matter what happens or doesn't happen, I will give thanks to God. I will worship God, I will praise God, and I will have faith in and trust God in spite of what goes on around me. And by doing that, the peace of God, which surpasses everything I understand. Have you ever been in a situation where you're just like, I would have normally been so upset and pissed off, right? But I was so chill, right? Just so chill. It's kind of like if a toddler comes up to you and just starts yelling at you. You're just like, okay, baby. All right. 
Oh, she's just having a bad day. Oh, whatever. You know, you can have that situation with your family. You can have those situations with your coworkers. You can have those situations with other people and have that peace that surpasses all understanding. But the way we get that the way we stay in the fruits of the spirit, the way we stay in love and joy and peace and self-control, all of those things is by keeping God number one, the center of our life. How do we do that? It's putting him above everything we know and understand. It's worshiping him daily, starting our day off right with God. I will Spend time with God, reading my Bible, in worship, before I do anything else. Do I do this every day? No, I don't do it every day. Sometimes I'm a little late and I just get up and I'm gone. I'll listen to it in the car. I'll have an ear pod in and I'll be listening to worship music as I'm working sometimes. Right? And that's helping me to stay focused and centered on God. I will sneak away and read a chapter of the Bible and just say, God, speak to me. And that is me cultivating my relationship with God, keeping him the center of everything, going to church consistently, choosing to walk in faith, choosing to do good instead of evil, choosing to do the right thing, which can be the hard thing instead of the easy thing, which might get us in trouble. I hope that each and every one of you listening to this understands what I'm trying to convey and understands and can see that I'm not just talking out of my neck, but God is doing this in my life and in the lives of so many other people, millions of people, billions of people. And he can do it in yours, but it takes a leap of faith, a step of faith and trust in him. And it takes a dying to yourself. The Bible talks about that. We must die to ourself. What does that mean? Die to our understanding. Die to our wisdom, our knowledge, our ways of doing things that have been so ingrained in us and saying, God, kill those parts of me. And put within me the way you think, the way you understand, the way you do things. So I can be more like Christ, an image bearer of the Son of God. So that I could walk in peace and love and joy and self-control. In spite of the things that's going on around me. Is it easy to get to this place? No. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I have cried, been frustrated, fallen and sinned, but got back up again, repented and said, God, help me to be better. I can't tell you how many people that I attempted to lead away from God and follow my twisted and warped view of the Bible. But God forgives me for that. Do I condemn myself for it? No, because condemnation does not live in those who follow Christ Jesus. We don't rest in, we don't walk in condemnation. 
Yeah, you feel guilty about it, but then you give it to God. And every time the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy, meaning every time the enemy comes and tries to remind you of all the bad things you've done, of how your life is never going to change. God is never going to give you the desires of your heart. Every time he does that, I have to readjust myself to the word of God and believe in his promises, trust in his promises. But at the same time, say, if you never do anything else for me, I will still follow you. That is a heart after God. It's not about what we can get from God. It's about what we can give to God. Thank you so much for tuning in to the victory is greater than the struggle. An ex-lesbian podcast. If you would like to donate to this ministry, we would greatly appreciate it. Your donations go towards um, doing conferences, doing these podcasts, uh, my ministering one-on-one with people who contact me via email, loveatthecross.rgv at gmail.com. Um, I do this for free, okay? I speak to people from around the world for free, and guess what? I love it. (laughs) So if you would like to donate to that, to help me continue to do this, um, to speak to parents who have children in the homosexual lifestyle, um, people who are in it and just have questions, um, people who are walking away and just said, I need some help with this, please go ahead and donate. And also check out one of our videos as well. Uh, uh, Check out our last conference that we had. I love you guys and thank you for tuning in. I love you. See you next time.